And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. There's not a whole lot to say in that locker room other than in these situations, uh, we got to be able to show what type of resolve we have to to bounce back from something like this. It's week seven. The five and one Bears head to LA with the chance to take control of the whole NFC. Yeah, the offense forgot to get on the plane. It's the Hogan Johns Podcast. Podcast. To the hustle up to the line of scrimmage now. Here's Goff looking to his left and throwing that way. It is caught. Touchdown. Josh Reynolds. And the Rams strike first. First and goal. Bet they go to him again. On the ground. Here's Rob. There he is. Touchdown, Rams. Obviously, stating the obvious, the, the offense, we we, um, we got to get stuff figured out. How are we going to respond? What are we going to do? So that's our next challenge. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. I'm the greatest man in the world. Woo! And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. What I'd really like to do is put the greatness of this man in perspective. That just happened. To be outscored by your defense, obviously, is, is unacceptable, too. Woods, first man through it's a fumble. A flag does come in. It's picked up by Eddie Jackson into the end zone. Here they are, the Adams. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Hogan Johns. You know what the funny thing is? It, it is almost like they they left the binder that had the game plan, the offensive game plan for this specific game, and they, they didn't bring it on the plane. Uh, and then Nagy just went back to everything that he's been doing. <laughs> I was going to say, some people might argue that he still brought it. Yeah. I, I know I, what you're getting at. It was not good. I, I mean, I'm trying to... That's the only thing I can think of because I, I, I just can't... Un, and like everybody else listening, can't understand... How the Chicago Bears offense just, it, it's all in front of you, and yet they just come out and they do the same exact thing every single week. It, they it, stink, Adam. They stink. Ugh. It's, I don't know. I Hey, we're, we're here. We, it is a Monday. It is a case of the Monday. Well, it's Tuesday now. They had The Bears had a case of the Mondays on Monday. I don't even know what day it is anymore. That's pretty typical for us on this podcast. Uh, welcome in. We're still fired up. We uh, had a chance to sleep on it, and I don't think anything changed. That was bad. That was just bad. Ugly, brutal, disheartening. Go on and on, Adam. Just and on national television too, so you know it stings a bit more because that means the national media can dig in a little bit more. And Bears Twitter just loves that. But just a brutal loss. Oh, the I told you so's are going to be insufferable this week. But yes, you know, it, have at it. You're right. <laughs> At least on the, I agree with you. Yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, I still think the defense is pretty good. And I'm not going to let the defense off the hook either, though, because they didn't. They didn't. In my mind, they didn't come to play either at a high enough. You mean level. they didn't tackle anybody? The tackling was horrendous. But we can save that for later on in the podcast. Welcome in, Hogan John. Thanks for being patient with us again uh, on this uh, just weird 2020 season and us putting together these post game podcasts for you. It's just a little bit harder 
than usual after night games. So recording this the following morning, we're still going to bring you all three episodes this week as we normally do. So strap in, get ready for a lot of podcasting this week as the Bears turn the page to the New Orleans Saints. But we certainly got to wrap things up uh, with what happened last night against the Rams. The Bears lose. They lose convincingly. They were terrible on offense. Uh, and we also wrote about it. So follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read our post-game reaction. Mine's up at NBCSportsChicago.com. Johns at The Athletic, TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns. If you're not subscribed, you should be. Go check out what he wrote. I think for the most part, we're on the same page. We're going to discuss the stuff here. But uh, something, something has to change on offense. I don't know what it is. Because, quite frankly, the players aren't good enough, and that is a factor here. The offensive line is horrendous. I spent the whole week telling you that. Nothing changed. All I know, Johns, and I guess this is the main point of my column, everything should be on the table. Okay? You want to put Mitch back in there? I'm willing to listen to that. You want to change the play caller? I'm willing to listen to that. Everything should be on the table this week. What I do know is is that if the Bears show up to Soldier Field Sunday against the New Orleans Saints with the same 11 starters and the same exact game plan, they're going to get their ass kicked again, just like they did against the Saints last year. Usually when the the comments roll in, can you ask Matt Nagy if he's going to give up play calling? You get like a 1,000 of them in a game like this. And yes. people will blame you. You never ask those questions. Can't believe you've been asked that question. It's been asked before. Yes. A lot, actually. I remember asking it last year multiple yes, times. Yes, it's been asked this season, too. So it's... I usually just shrug it off, roll my eyes, and whatnot. But as that game unfolded yesterday, and to your point about something having to give, I think he should. With his coaching record, he's going to be here next year, right? He's got a winning record. The Bears are still 5-2. and two. They went 12-4 and four in his first year, 8-8 eight and eight last year. Winning football record. So Matt Nagy will be back. He does a great job keeping things together. He's a good culture builder. He's just not a good play caller. And I think we can say that with conviction right now, to use the Bears word, with conviction. There's no rhythm. Everything seems off. And it all goes back to one person. Now, you already benched Mitch Trubisky, right? You already made the, the big change you wanted to make probably before the season even started. Like, he's gone. You can't point fingers at Mitch anymore. It's on Matt Nagy. And to see that offense just struggle and everything just looks difficult for him, he has to look in the mirror and consider giving up play calling. Just just at least try it to see if Bill Lazor, Jadie Flippo, can bring something else to this offense. If they can bring a different rhythm to this offense. Find a rhythm for this offense. I think... It's one of those things, and I don't think that's going to happen. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if Matt has it in him. I really don't. I mean, I think he he is so determined right now to figure out. He wants to be that play caller, head coach guy, you know, paired with the quarterback. It, and I'll say this again. I said it multiple times this week. I, with that offensive line, I don't think anybody, I you know, they can try it. But I don't think Lazer's going to have much more success calling plays. What I think the bigger thing is, to me, it's less about the specific play calls, which in moments are bad. Like, handing it off to Cordero Patterson again. Which, by the way, surprisingly, I looked that up, and he had come into the game, he was actually two for three on those third and fourth and one handoffs. 
Cordero Come Patterson. Come on. You knew once that pitch was made, you knew that was getting stopped. Well, and, and it's the thing. It's like just because it happened in the past, time and uh, awareness of what's going on in the game. You're getting your ass kicked up front. And I'm sure that's probably why they try to run away from the offensive line. It's like, oh, well, the offensive line can't block. Maybe our wide receivers can't. But come on. You're not picking that up there. That was a bad play call. I'm sure Nagy will probably say that today. He has in the past. He's, you know, on a Monday, he's come back and been like, yeah, that, I probably want that one back. Um, it, here's the thing, and I know we're going to talk about the quarterback and whether or not Mitch should be back out there. I have no idea if putting Mitch Trubisky back in there well, you know, I don't know that Mitch is any better than Foles. I don't know if Foles is any better than Mitch, to be honest with you. But here's the thing. When the Bears had success running the football earlier this season, it was the only time in the Matt Nagy era where they were actually running a significantly different offense. We talked about this. They changed the offense for Mitch this year. And that's what they started with. And they were having success running the football. So to me, it's not necessarily which quarterback's out there in terms of what the quarterback's doing. It's just what the offense looks like with the quarterback. And the second he made the switch to Nick, it went back to last year's offense. Because that's what he really wants to run. And guess what? It's not working no matter who the quarterback is, which I know is what you wrote about. Maybe it wasn't Mitch's fault. Yeah, here's what, yes. I don't, I don't yeah, I, that should be abundantly clear to everybody right now, right? So here's what gets me. Uh, you changed the offense because it wasn't working for Mitch, right? That means things changed up front for the offensive line. But what they, those changes were for Mitch worked for the offensive line. Did I just make myself clear there? Like, just, just, yeah. just look at the stats. It worked for the offensive line. What they did for Mitch worked for this offensive line. Look, the, the Bears aren't the only offensive line in football with problems, depth problems, injured guys. It happens all over the league. Some of the best teams right now have injured starters on their offensive line, okay? But to see these numbers, Lions, let me just read them to you. So Trubisky starts the first two games. They had 149 rushing yards against the Lions. 135 rushing yards against the Giants. Yes, not good defenses, but whatever. There's production there. Falcons, 130 rushing yards. Okay. Nick Foles takes over. Have you seen these numbers? Yeah, I looked them up last week. Yeah, Nick Foles is their starter. 28, 35, 63, 49. Say those again. 28, 35, 63, 49. They didn't break 50. In, in all but one of those games you just listed. Not good. Not good. And that 63 that they get against the Panthers, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Panthers had one of the worst rushing defenses he- heading into that game. They did, did. they not? They did. So they did. what you made these changes for Mitch, which ended up being changes for the offensive line, and those changes, you may not have liked them for Mitch, but they worked for your offensive line. So that's what gets me with the play calling, the game planning. It all goes back to Matt Nagy, like e- even the interception play, the Nick Foles' first interception in the end zone, I didn't like it whatsoever, whatsoever. Goal-to-go situation, there's no Jimmy Graham, there's no Cole Komet on the field. You're running a sprint out with a guy who's not exactly the most mobile yeah. of players. How awkward did that look for Nick Foles? Not only are you running a sprint out, you're running a sprint out to his left for a right-arm quarterback. So already, not good. Your two options on that play are Anthony Miller, 
We know about his problems. And Darnell Mooney, he's been good, but he's not that big. Corner of the end zone, covered. Did not like that play whatsoever. You, so, you know what I found interesting? What we've learned about Nick so far is he takes responsibility for his bad throws. He didn't really take responsibility for that one. Did you notice that in the post game? Yeah. He didn't say, oh, yeah, I'd like that one, that one back. I never should have thrown that ball, which he shouldn't have. But I found it interesting that he didn't say that because, to me, it looked like the play was doomed from the start. Yes. And, yes, yes. your quarterback should just throw it away in that situation. But I sense some frustration with the call. Bad decision, worst play call. That's how I would uh, sum it up. Just felt bad from the get-go. Well, and there's this too. I, look, I, I think we're on the same page here. It, this is about the O-line. I, but you got to do things to help them. And I'll go back to the, the 49ers-Rams game last week. You know, the 49ers line had been bad. Do you know who's starting at center right now for the 49ers? I, yeah, I know it. It's your guy. Peronis Grusu. Your guy. My guy. Yes, yes, yes. And playing well. But he's playing well because Kyle Shanahan's doing things to help his offensive line. And yes. they kicked the Rams' ass on Sunday Night Football. They up kicked front. Aaron Donald's ass. They did. And so the point is, and we talked about this when the quarterback switch was made. I remember saying this. One of my concerns was, as much as the Bears had run the football early, there were still some glaring concerns on the offensive line. And one of the things we said, I remember specifically, I think, talking about Charles Leno, is that Mitch Trubisky's mobility and his ability to scramble, he's certainly got his faults. This I don't want any of this to come off as like some Mitch Trubisky told you so. That's not what this is about. But he has strengths and weaknesses, and Foles has strengths and weaknesses. And one of Mitch's strengths is his mobility. And I think over the years, Mitch's ability to scramble has masked some of the issues up front on the offensive line that we all said when Nick Foles, the statue, gets out there, is going to become more apparent. And that's exactly what has happened here. It's happened in the running game, and it's happened in the pass protection. And I know Nick missed some throws last night, and he's got that wide-open shot to Darnell Mooney. You need more than one second to get rid of the ball. Okay, you can't have free blitzers, and they didn't have the protection right on that play. Guy comes in free. That's, it, that's, that's a, that play, actually, the one I'm talking about where they're backed up at their own goal line. And But what a waste. That's got to be so frustrating. You have a rookie fifth-round pick, Darnell Mooney, just absolutely punk Jalen Ramsey, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, to get wide open on a double move, and they can't complete it because not only did they not block right up front, they didn't have the protection set up correctly. There's so many issues there. He was more than wide open. Jalen Ramsey wasn't even in the same television frame. <laughs> and with Mooney's speed, he's gone. <laughs> he's long gone. Long gone. The problem here with, with, with this, Adam, um, Nick Foles isn't raising the bar like the Bears built them up to be. They said so many great things. And, and look, I don't want to say I was duped, but you believe it because you see how Nick Foles commands his team. You see what he says. It's easy to to see some of the reasons that the Bears liked. Real but quick, no- though, real quick, I'm going to let you finish, but you weren't duped. And you weren't duped because we always said everything around him needs to be 
almost perfect for it to work out. And we've been saying this every week. And nothing around him is perfect. So Nick Foles isn't going to be the solution. So you weren't no. duped. But but you still expect him to. I expected him to be better than he is. Right? Like all, the, the quick decisions, uh, getting the ball out on time where it's supposed to be. All those things that they said. He's not even doing that. He, I, look, I know he completed 70% of his passes last night. But like that's such a misleading stat in terms of what he produced. He's not raising... He's not the answer. I understand that there's supposed to be a transition going from Trubisky to him. I understand that what he tells his coaches is probably more revealing and more insightful than Mitch Trubisky. But right now the numbers are the numbers. And he's been absolutely, I don't want to say brutal, but he's just been, his numbers at the bottom of the league in terms of quarterback pass rating, even worse for QBR. It's just not good. Everything they thought he would be, I don't think he is right now for them. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's fair. I mean, everything, like like I said off the top, everything should be on the table here. Um, what do you think is more likely, that Nagy gives up play calling duties, they make a switch at quarterback, or they come out against the Saints and everything looks exactly the same? <laughs> the latter. The I think it's point. the last one. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's what the problem is here. Like, did, did you... Sean McVay whooped Chuck Pagano's ass in the first quarter. I mean, and and you know what? It, it's not so much. Well, I mean, it, it happened, and and I'm sure Chuck would actually say the same thing. And then you make adjustments, okay? So the Bears did make some adjustments, and they figured some things out. But early on, they were going tempo. They had the Bears on their heels. Jared Goff that, is rolling out. He was rolling out. He was running with the ball. And then you had the great, uh, on the touchdown early, they come out of the huddle and they do a quick snap. And Buster Screen's not ready. Half the defense is ready. Uh, that's great coaching. Like, that's, that's, that is a coach in Sean McVay looking at how his guys got beat up physically the week before by the 49ers, one of their division rivals. And said, well, this has got to change because we're facing an even better defense next week on Monday Night Football. And he came up with solutions. You know, he did different things. And I'm sure there's subtle stuff in the offense where the Bears are trying something different than they did. It's not obvious enough. It is not. Why did it take to the third quarter to go no huddle again? We've heard your quarterback say week after week he likes that. Why is it taking to the third quarter to go no huddle again? Why is how many times do we have to talk about Cole Komet? It, Matt Nagy's talking about Cole Komet. It was three weeks ago today he said Cole Komet needs to play more. Yeah. Three weeks ago. And yet we're talking after the game yesterday. Ah, oh, he's gonna have to play more. Because early in the game, you're still throwing a Demetrius Harris and he can't catch. And you have a second-round pick who clearly can. They find a way to give him the ball twice, and then he disappears the rest of the game. I made note a couple times throughout the course of the game where Nick Foles wanted to hurry up, like there's a play in the red zone, where even Anthony Miller seems a little disappointed that Matt Nagy sending in new personnel. And, again, it goes to those play calls, like the obsession over those calls, over the rhythm the flow, the actual gameplay. It's its disconcerting. 
it's it's a problem. As John Fox once said, Adam, it's all a problem. It is all a problem right now on that <laughs> side of the ball. But you also had, remember that sequence where they called timeout twice in like three plays? Oh, then they gave up a sack? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then there's two-minute warning, and then they gave up another sack. Um, but one of those timeouts happened. They got that big gain down the right side. They did try to go hurry up. Jimmy Graham had no idea what was going on. Couldn't figure out the play call. A couple guys were confused. They couldn't get lined up properly. They had to call timeout. That's fair. That's fair. And there's a couple times the clock was. Wait, wait, wait. No, wait, Nick Foles. No, that's not fair. That's how are you not ready for that? No, I know. I'm just in terms of Nagy calling timeout and getting the right personnel on the field. I know what you're saying. Oh, no, but I'm saying, yes. like, you finally go in no huddle and no one can figure it out. It's like they don't practice it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they do practice it, but how? That, that's my point. Like, practice you, it better. <laughs> right. They're not. That, like, that should have been your game plan coming out. Like the first series, get some tempo, get them on their heels. You know, that's what Sean McVay did. It's just, and then they try to go to no no huddle and no one's ready for it. Man, the issues on that side of the ball are a problem. Which perhaps brings us to the Brian Greasy comments. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, so one of the differences of this weird 2020 season for us as reporters, we would have loved to have been in that brand new, nice SoFi stadium that looked that really looked, cool on oh, TV. It looked, it looked pretty. Yeah. Um, more convenient to LAX. You can get in and out of LA yeah. without having to get stuck yeah, in traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got yeah. snow here in Chicago this morning. I'm sure it's nice and... California-like right now, yes. Remember last year we went to L.A.? I got some time at the pool. You know, all that would have been nice. Um, that's not reality here in 2020, I guess, uh, unless you're our guy Pat Finley. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? He was in L.A. He's, so probably good for an, him. he's probably in an airplane coming back right now. Be safe, my friend. Um, what I'm going with is, is uh, where I'm going is we're at home. And we're watching the television broadcast, which we're not usually doing during this game. And it's the fourth quarter, so we're writing. We're trying to get stuff done. And kind of out of the... I'm sort of half paying attention to what's being said in the broadcast at this point. But then this sequence happens, and Brian Greasy says this. We were talking to Nick Foles yesterday, and he said, you know, sometimes play calls come in, and I know that I don't have time to execute that play call. And, you know, I'm the one out here getting hit. Sometimes the, the guy calling the plays, Matt Nagy, he doesn't know how much time there is back here. And so that's something that they have to get worked out. Huh. I'm like, did I just hear that right? Yeah. Hit, yeah. The, re hit the rewind button. Did I just hear that right? So... Immediately, like the the alarm bells, like they go off, like holy moly, like or sorry, holy Moses. <laughs> to use yes. our, one of our, our our favorite sound bites. 
Can't find it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me down there. I'll set him up, guys, and that's what he does for me. Okay. So you're like, what is going on? It, so I we do have that understanding that they, they have these production meetings, right? Like I was, Holy Moses. There he is. Better late than never. Better late than never. Holy Moses. Oh, a second one. Thank you. So all broadcast teams have production meetings with players. And sometimes those production meetings can be more revealing than the seven or eight minutes that we get with certain players because it's it's longer. I know things are different now because of the pandemic we're all living through. But I always enjoyed going back to the broadcast, especially during the Jay Cutler years, and hearing what he would say to certain analysts and how that was relayed then through the actual broadcast. I always thought it was interesting because Jay Cutler would always give them a little bit more, at least, at least I felt. So this, from Brian Greasy... Should have set off alarm bells for the Bears, uh, especially Matt Nagy. I, I don't. I don't know. We. You, you'll have to. Whenever you talk to Nick, just kind of see where he's at with that. I, I. That's not. Nick and I have a pretty good relationship, and he hasn't said. I mean, he'll probably explain what he meant by that. Did, did you feel like today, though, that the, the play calls you were getting in, Nick did have enough time to execute them? I don't know. I got to watch the tape and see. I know there's a couple here or there where. Um, you know, you're in scat protection certain times and, and they might make you hot here or there, but I, I have no idea. You know, you just, you just, I have to go back and see it exactly what, what the deal is. Um, I know the as far as the play, if you're saying the play's getting in to be able to call the play, there's no issue there. I don't know what the, the next part was. He wanted to hear from Nick Foles himself, and we got to hear from Nick Foles at length about this miscommunication, as he described it, between himself and Brian Greasy. Yeah, um, that was definitely a miscommunication with Brian and I. Um, you know, we do these pregame um, conversations the day before the game just to give them information. Um, that conversation, uh, Coach Nagy and I have a great great conversation on the, the sidelines, so there might be times where we, we go through it beforehand and say, hey, what do you think? And there's times where you got to get the ball out quick and whatnot. But um, in those situations, like Matt and I have a great relationship on the sideline with Con- conversations, everything. I think, you know, in that situation with Brian, it was just a miscommunication of words because that's not what um, I was trying to uh, bring across in that conversation. Right. right. Could, could you just be a little more specific in what the miscommunication was uh, with that? Say that again? Well, well, could you be just a little more specific with what the miscommunication was with that? Well, what he was trying so when Coach Nagy and I talk on the sidelines, we'll go through plays in different situations and go through a defense. And I'll, I'll be honest, like, hey, you know, right now, maybe get the ball out quicker. Um, they're bringing some pressures, whatnot. So I, we were talking about game situations and game, you know, different, you know, Coach Nagy and I's conversations and our relationships. So um, part of that was, you know, the detail, hey, maybe we don't have the time right now for this type of drop because of what they're bringing and the pressures they're bringing, it's easier with that to go, hey, one, two, three, ball out. So um, that's where the miscommunication lies. Is Those are actually conversations Coach Nagy and I have on the sidelines um, so that when we go to the field, we're ready to roll. And I think that's a valuable relationship I have with him to be able to talk like that and understand specifically, y'all heard me talk about, you know, each game is its own entity. So you have to understand how to play it in the appropriate way. So it should be pointed out, that Foles had an opportunity to hear the comments before he talked to the media. It did not seem like Nagy did. 
because um, Nagy was kind of scrambling to get clarification from JJ. He seemed kind of fired up about it too, by the way. Who like, did? Nagy. Like he seemed kind of like, oh, Matt, I, I find Matt Nagy very aware of yeah. such controversies, and especially when it involves his play calling and his quarterback. I felt like his alarm bells went off almost immediately. You could see the emotion in the man through the Zoom. Yeah. Well, I guess here's the question. Um, just real quick, because... All right, yeah, so here, here's my question. Do do you buy what Nick Foles said? Because I, I kind of do. Brian Greasy's not like... You know, if Lewis Riddick, and I like Lewis Riddick a lot. I think he's great. If Lewis Riddick had done this, and I'm not actually accusing either of them of doing anything wrong. I just Lewis Riddick's kind of newer to the booth and probably newer to the process. Brian Greasy's been calling games for a really long time. A lot of college games. These production meetings happen in college too. And I could tell you from, you know, being part of a broadcast team too uh, on Northwestern side like we it's it's just a completely different job than what you and I do here covering the Bears. Like you get information during the week and you don't use it until the broadcast cuz that's what your specific job is there. So and then there's just sort of an art to know what things can be relayed on the broadcast and what things are just sort of background to help, you know, formulate what, you know, things that happen during the game. I was surprised when Brian Greasy said that because it came off right away like, oh, that's something that gets said in a broadcast meeting that uh, probably should not come out word for word like that. You know what I mean? I don't know why it came out that way, but I do sort of believe Foles that he was just talking about some of the conversations they have because I, I think that that's... Well, here's the reality, though. We're, we're semant- It's like sort of semantics. The reality is he doesn't have time to run these plays. Like, that's the problem. He gets back to everything we just said earlier in the podcast. He doesn't have enough time to run the plays that are being called. And I do believe that his relationship with Nagy, he's probably relaying that on the sideline, which probably goes back to that conversation they had a couple weeks ago that we all talked about when... Foles was saying, let's go hurry up. Let's go hurry up because he doesn't have enough time to sit back there in a pocket. And actually, I'm sort of thinking of this as I'm saying this now. I have a feeling that that's where that conversation between Nick Foles and Brian Greasy came up. Because if you're a broadcaster, you're probably asking about what happened a couple weeks ago when that got caught on television. Was that the Bucks game, I think? It was the Bucks game. Yeah. So it was interesting to hear Nick Foles explain part of those not production meetings. They're shorter. They're over the phone. It's not like traditional years or typical years where you're sitting around a table and it's a near hour conversation with these guys and it goes in detail and there's insight gained. There's a lot learned. So it's different now. They're phone conversations. I do believe Foles. I do believe that he's voicing his concerns on the sideline. But Foles' explanation still raises other questions, still raises other concerns. Like, why is Matt Nagy still feel the need to bring up such play calls as the game plays out that right that way, right? Like, why is... Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, why is that... Why are those on the table? Why does Nick Foles have to say no? Right? 
Why, why aren't they on the same page? And if they are on the same page as much as they say they are, why are things not better on the field? Why are they well, so bad on offense? Well, like Greasy relayed in 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 the comment is, you know, Foles is the one getting hit. Foles is the one that has a better idea how much time he really has. Uh, and I and I and I think this is all sort of the same conversation. It's just it's just Foles saying what we're saying, which is the offensive line sucks. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, and he doesn't have time. To sit back there, and, and there's like the other thing. It's like early in the game. Why is why are all every third down the the ball's being thrown short of the sticks? He doesn't have time to throw it farther. Like they don't have time to run deeper routes. That's it, it's it's all intertwined like this, and it comes. But it comes back to, uh, and I don't blame Foles at all for getting frustrated. You have to come up with some type of solution. You have to call different plays. You have to. Go no huddle. You have to do things to help your offensive line, or get new players, which is hard you to can't do. Really in the middle. do now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe well, give other... except for the fact that there are guys available, and I, Alex Bars must be terrible, right? Like, I didn't think he was that bad after. He I came didn't in. either. Yeah. But like, they won't play him. Yeah, I understand. Coward wasn't as bad as. Like he got better as the game went going. I, I guess against the the Panthers too, but like. The swim moves that Aaron Donald, and I get it's Aaron Donald, but like you can't keep losing that way over and over and over again. You saw what I wrote last week. I I I watched the tape. I'm assuming the Bears did too. The tape of last year, Rashad Cower versus Aaron Donald. Yeah, they do anything different. Like that's the problem. That that's the problem right there. And and I don't. I can't explain it. I just can't explain the it. The offensive line. There's a lot of hope put into a Juan Castillo. And I get that coaching can make a difference, but eventually you reach a point where it's just personnel. Like this is on Ryan Pace's plate. This is also on Matt Nagy's plate for thinking you could just fix it with a Juan Castillo. And I get there's contracts involved. And I get there's outs this after this season for maybe some major changes, especially a tackle, but... Yeah, the the offensive line is probably beyond frustrating for everybody at Hallis Hall right now, but they only have themselves to blame. Well, and that's a good point because, you know, I don't think you can let the GM off the hook completely here because you can't look at the problems from last year and just say, oh, we're going to... We're going to bring in a former first-round pick, change his position, and bring in a new offensive uh, line coach, and everything's going to be different. But at the same time, they did make some changes. Jimmy Graham, wholesale changes to tight end. They brought in Robert Quinn, Leonard Floyd. He had two sacks last night, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm getting sidetracked right now. He made Bobby Massey look foolish on his first sack last night. Did he not? Oh, yeah. Absolutely foolish. Like He was hopping around. Like, Have you ever seen a pass rush like that? From uh, from Leonard Floyd with the Bears, speed off speed off the line, hand slap, hands down by Bobby Massey around the edge, immediate sack. Rarely did you ever see a play like that from Leonard Floyd. Here, well, did they say on the broadcast that like Aaron Donald had taught him that move or something like that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know how you fix this in 
six days or whatever it is, five days until they play the Saints, they're in trouble. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Adam, you got this um, this hashtag, Bears special teams, and uh, can can the Bears find a different punt returner than than Ted Ginn Jr. Because your 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 hashtag isn't even like that button for it, whatever that that little gif that you use for it. It doesn't even work for him. Like he doesn't even want to try <laughs> back there. Like how, how bad. Was his punt return decision making last night against the Rams? Like it's got to be beyond frustrating for Matt Nagy and Chris Tabor right now. But I, I, I need to talk to Chris Tabor this week because he, here's the thing. Well, first of all, you're right. I mean, Teddy, T- Teddy. I don't know anyone call him Teddy. Call him Teddy Teddy okay. Ginn Jr. I have a new cat named Teddy. I think I just said that's why I said Teddy. He's cute. Um. Oh. Ted Ginn Jr., he just doesn't seem interested in catching these punts, right? At the same time, a lot, Johnny Hecker had an unbelievable game last night, and we got to give him credit. And a lot of those kicks were, Tabor has said, it used to be the 10-yard line was the cutoff, right? You don't, you don't fair catch inside the 10-yard line. Now it's, he has said in the past, he kind of pushed it back more towards eight. And a lot of those punts were landing more like six-yard line, five-yard line. So if there is a quick defense for Ted Ginn Jr., I'm not sure he was supposed to catch all those. That being said, adjustments need to be made, and you're facing a, a punter that is incredibly good at pinning those balls in there. And, ooh, save that one. And... He was on fire last night. So, you, especially that last one when you're like in a desperate mode, like you have to catch it and try to return it. Yeah. Or yeah. Or, or or try different returners. Like that's my thing. And we also have to talk about not calling timeout at the end of the first half. Now, 
I wasn't completely surprised because, as we're talking about, they simply don't have a punt return game right now. But that's inexcusable. You can't just have a player get hurt and give up on the punt return game the rest of the season just because Tariq Cohen's hurt. You have other options. I don't think they trust Anthony Miller to hold on to the football. But why not Darnell Mooney? Why not every once in a while give Eddie Jackson a shot? He's clearly really good at running with the football. And like the end of the first half, that would have been a situation, and I'm not saying make Eddie Jackson your punt returner full-time because you don't want to risk that much injury. But I think there are situations where you go, oh, end of the half, let's see what we can get here. Let's give him a shot. And they just, they the Bears punted on the half. They just gave up. Yeah, yeah. You almost wonder how much of that is rooted in Nagy's frustration with the punt return game. And I think... Those feelings were cemented um, even further in the second half. We'll know more this week, even maybe later today. Matt Nagy does talk to us in a couple hours, so we'll revisit Ted Ginn's decision-making here soon. But he was on the field for four offensive plays against the Rams. He was on the field for five punt returns. So you're not getting a lot from him right now. It's to the point where you're almost wondering if you want to cut the guy. <laughs> you know, like I, 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 I hate advocating for people to get cut. These are people's occupations you're talking about. But the feeling I have here right now, after watching last night, should the Bears give somebody younger, a ch- who's younger, a chance somewhere else on the field, whether that's on the offensive line, whether it's at receiver, whether it's Artavius Pierce at running back. Something, again, to, to your point at the beginning of this podcast, something has to give. The Bears aren't getting anything from Ted Ginn Jr. right now upon return. They're not getting anything from him as a receiver. I understand that there's some value of him being in that receiving room right now, but the offense is a mess. So what value really is that? Yeah, it's... It, it's a, it, And again, it, I think this is the biggest... Most glare. If we're going to talk about coaching problems, it is. It's another example of them just doing the same thing every week, right? Like another. Yeah, this has been this has been obvious for weeks. Like ever ever since Cohen got hurt, and they're not trying anybody else. So and yet they still seem surprised by the results. When another. When, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, it's just when everyone at home can see this on their televisions, and yet the the coaches aren't making the changes. I I do not blame the fans at all for getting frustrated. They should be. To this point, another argument can be made that the same applies to Cole Komet and Demetrius Harris. Why they continue to go back to Demetrius Harris right now is is beyond me. Look at the juice that Cole Komet provides this offense, whether it's the touchdown catch in the middle of triple coverage against the Panthers on the road or outleaping a, a, a linebacker to make the biggest play from scrimmage for the Bears. He brought something that has not been there for the Bears. He did. He did. And then, like you said, makes a catch in the next play and then gone. Gone. Like he doesn't even exist anymore. And... I don't know what Matt Nagy meant by 
what he said at the end of his press conference over Zoom. Again, there'll be more clarification on this in a couple hours. So wait for our next podcast on Wednesday if you want to get back to this cold Quebec conversation. But like you said, Adam, everybody watching from home knows Cole Komet should be on the field more, playing more, getting more opportunities in the passing game. He can provide something that Demetrius Harris is not every single week. I just don't get it because you have a second-round cornerback, Jalen Johnson, that started and basically played every snap since the season started. And I don't see anything from Cole Komet that tells me he doesn't deserve that same opportunity. He's not out there making glaring mistakes, and I'm sure there are some more subtle things that the coaches are still working on with him because it's hard to play tight end as a rookie in the NFL. I get that. But all I see is a guy that knows what he's doing. Enough of the subtle things. The guy made a 37, 38-yard catch over a, a linebacker down the, the right, sideline in a wheel route. He made the best play of the game. He made a leaping catch over three defenders in the middle of the end zone when he wasn't the first read. Like, he's making plays for you. There's nothing subtle about that. He the played playmaker. He played 20 snaps last night of 63. Jimmy Graham played 48. So here's their tight end breakdown. Jimmy Graham played 48 snaps. That's 76% of the of the game. Cole Komet played 20 for 32%. That even forget Demetrius Harris, like that needs to change too. That, like, that needs to even up. The, the, the gap between Graham and Cole Komet, even. And then Harris played 18, so just two less snaps than Cole Komet. But they're still throwing him the ball early in the game. Like, I don't get it. And, and he drops it. He must catch it in practice. Again, another glaring <laughs> thing that everybody can see on their televisions at home that doesn't change on Sundays. It's 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 crazy. All right, how about a quick defensive ramp before we get out of here? Yeah, the leak the leak sprung loose. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The pipe burst. <laughs> yes, they did. I think the Bears have one of the better defenses in the league, but you cannot be the best defense. You cannot be one of the elite defenses if you're giving up 161 rushing yards. A national television. That stat just does not coincide with eliteness. That is a problem. The Rams out the Bears' defense for a good portion of that game on Monday night. Yeah, and this is where I was wrong. You know, I did pick the Bears to win this game, but if you listen to my prediction carefully, remember I said they would get four field goals and maybe a defensive touchdown. I didn't think the Bears were going to score an offensive touchdown in this game. Where I was wrong was, remember I said, I think this is a game where the Bears might have to hold the Rams to under 10 points, which turned out to be true. The problem is they didn't do it, and I thought they would. I thought the defense would come to play on Monday Night Football. I thought that they had shown signs the last couple weeks of them tightening things up, playing better, fixing those run leaks, um... And they they were almost aggressive to the point that it was reckless. Does that make sense? The penalties, like I know you want to play fast and you want to take chances because it leads to good things for this defense. But they were almost undisciplined. 
They almost took it too far. The penalties and the missed tackles. Like, they weren't under control. You still had to play with some control. And they didn't have that. Uh, and I... Look, they the defense deserves a break because of how poorly this offense is playing. And yes, it got to a certain point where I think they were just tired late in the game. But those issues were present on the first drive. Like, they didn't tackle the entire game from very, from pretty much the coin flip on. And the stats say the Bears don't have a good rushing defense. They, they didn't have a good rushing defense going into this game. No. Like, like if you're going to nitpick about, like, certain stats about what the Bears' defense is this year, their, their run game, their run defense was a concern, and the, the Rams exposed them even further. Well, they give up the most uh, explosive run plays in the league. So to your point, that's not an elite defense. You can't be the best defense in the league if you're giving up the most explosive runs in the league. No. Doesn't coincide. Does not coincide. And again, in terms of stopping the Rams, you stop the run, you put that game on Jared Goff's shoulders, you can win. We saw that play out in 2018. That pass game is so paired with that run game. You stop it. You could tee off on Goff. And the Bears did get to him a bit. Uh, I thought Goff actually held in there better than most people will give him credit for. Finished with a good passer rating. Had a good couple, a good couple touchdowns. So, yeah, yeah. As John Fox would say, it's all a problem. I quoted him twice with that quote this Yeah, time. well, it's a good quote when things are going really horribly. Um, one final thought on defense, and this is one I'll put on myself too because I said it was the right thing to do. I think it's time that we admit that the Bears made the wrong choice. They should have re-signed Nick Kwiatkowski instead of Danny Trevathan. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a reality. That, 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 the tight end catch and run? Oh, yeah, it's still a problem. There's uh, more, yeah. It, it's just they, they, it, and I and I defended the sign. I, I thought last year before Trevathan got hurt that he was still flying around and clearly faster than Nick Kwiatkowski, but... Well, whatever the circumstances are, fifty nine is not playing well enough. It's a that that, that that's a, a glaring problem in the defense right now. And you're locked into that money for a bit. Yeah. So that was a at least one more year. That looks like a mistake at this point. Uh, all right. Well, we finish on this note. The Bears are five and two. They can still make the playoffs. I actually, yesterday, uh, because I watched so much football around the league Sunday without the Bears playing, you know, took a kind of broke down the rest of the schedule. Um, maybe I should have waited till after they played last night and looked that terribly. <laughs> but, um, you know, there was, I don't think this changes though. There, there's, there's still a path. To definitely ten and six. Uh, there's also a path to seven, nine and seven. I mean, they could. Let's see that nine and seven. They would go four and five the rest of the way. That is, I would say, a possibility. But you know, here's the thing about the schedule: it looks bad the next two weeks. I would say, if I had to pick it right now, they'll lose to the Saints and they'll lose to the Titans. Okay, but. You still have two games against the Vikings, who appear to be giving up. Um, I wouldn't be surprised the, if the Bears end up losing one of those games. Get the Lions and the Jaguars, and the Texans. 
Like, there's still a lot of wins left on the schedule. I thought going into this three-game stretch, probably their toughest three-game stretch of the season, that you had to find a way to go to one and two. And I, if they lose the next two, they're now five and four. And I feel like at that point, almost anything's on the table for potentially complete collapse. So if I'm the Bears, I'm considering everything and anything to finding to finding a way to get one of these games. Like to, to me, you almost have to try to get one of these games because the emotions of losing three in a row could be, I don't want to say impossible to overcome, but quite arduous. I, I, I think we'll save this discussion more for tomorrow's podcast, but I would seriously consider putting Mitch back out there. To me, that's the stir the pot. But to Love me, it. that's the most obvious personnel change that you can make that could potentially make a difference. And again, not necessarily because Trubisky is any better than Foles, but that offensive line might be better with Trubisky in there. If that makes sense, I think it does make sense. We've made that think perfectly clear in this podcast. The stats show it. And if nothing else, he could run away from Aaron Donald faster than Nick Foles can. Okay? That I guarantee. Yeah, okay. Well, it's a fun post-game podcast. Thanks for being patient with us. Uh, We'll have voicemails for you tomorrow. We will be back with a podcast tomorrow, our midweek podcast. We'll hear from Kevin Fishbane. We'll react to whatever happens today at House Hall. It's going to be a quick week. Um, because of you know the Monday night game and yeah, the Saints are coming to town. Saints are marching in. Good luck with that. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read my postgame column, NBCSportsChicago.com. Johnsy's up at The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Go subscribe. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word. Hopefully this was therapeutic for you. I think it was for me. Talk to you tomorrow. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. (laughs) As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.